0: Welcome to Doing Virtue, a Catholic podcast, where virtue is what we do. Cheers.
1: Tonight we are talking about the Assumption of Mary, which just happened yesterday on August 15th. So uh, before we get into that, real quick, we are drinking a Blue Moon Belgian Ale that Mark picked up. Really expensive. Really expensive. This is top-notch beer, and I think it's fitting. Because of the moon. Because of the moon. I love the moon. It's scriptural. It's delicious. It's cold. <laughs> and it's blue. And which it's is blue. It's, it's, good me, <laughs> it's good for me. Amen. It's good for me. All right. So let's get into it. So first of all, what is the Assumption of Mary? The Assumption of Mary is the Catholic Church's teaching, which <clears throat> falls into the category of what's called an ex cathedra statement, which means from the chair of Peter, having the authority of the church, and in municipal... Let me try again. Yep. Deus. I think nice. that's close enough, um, which means Magnificent God, published uh, and pro- promulgated by Pius XII in 1950. Um, in paragraph 44, it states the following. The Immaculate Mother of God, the ever-Virgin Mary, having completed the course of her earthly life, was assumed body and soul into heavenly glory. In paragraph 40 four paragraphs earlier, it says the following, Hence the revered mother of God from all eternity, joined in a hidden way with Jesus Christ in one and the same decree of predestination. Immaculate in her conception, a most perfect virgin in her divine motherhood, the noble associate of the divine redeemer, who has won a complete triumph over sin and its consequences, finally attained finally obtained as the supreme culmination of her privileges, that she should be preserved free from the corruption of the tomb and that like her own son, having overcome death, she might be taken up body and soul to heavenly glory where she as queen sits in splendor at the right hand of her son, the immortal King of the ages. So that both of those quotes come from the church document given, um, on November 1st, 1950, that defines the dogma of the Assumption, and that was Pope Pius XII. So, <clears throat> as I mentioned, it does have the authority of the Catholic Church behind it, and it has the it's it's a it's an infallibly declared dogma um, regarding dogmas. Pope John Paul II says that the definition of a dogma in conformity with the universal faith of the people of God definitively excludes every doubt and calls for the express assent of all Christians. And to follow upon that, <clears throat> at the end of the Manificentissimus Deus um, paragraph, right at the very end, paragraph 47, it says, It is forbidden for any man to change this, our declaration, pronouncement, and definition. Or by rash attempt oppose and counter it. If any man should presume to make an attempt, let him know that he let him know that he will incur the wrath of Almighty God and of the blessed apostles Peter and Paul. Damn. So let's go. Let him be anathema. In other
0: words, amen.
1: So the Assumption is a pretty interesting feast day, <clears throat> and although this teaching is held has been held by Catholics since the beginning of the Catholic faith, um, it was very recently actually solidified 1950 is fairly recent um so one thing i wanted to talk about that i don't think a lot of catholics know or they don't really have a good answer to is whether the dogma requires us to believe that mary actually died Mm. and it's i think it's actually debated but um the argument for the, the pros and cons would go as follows so mary did die The argument would be that in following with the divine will of God and following in the footsteps of her son, Jesus, who died for our sins, Mary would have offered up her will to God and would have died um, even though she was free of sin. She didn't have the consequences of sin, but wanting to follow in her her son's footsteps and wanting to participate in the salvific mission of Christ, she permitted herself to die. There's more nuances to that, but essentially that's the argument. The argument opposing the death of Mary would be that since she is the new Eve, since she did not have the stain of sin, since she did not suffer the consequences of sin and was was perfect, there was no reason for her to die. And God, in his in his mercy, spared her from the pains of death, similarly to... Sparing her the chain, the, the the pains of childhood, which is common be, commonly believed that she didn't suffer pain at childbirth, or um, or pains at death. Um, so that's that's kind of the general argument mm-hmm. against.
0: Uh, hmm. It's interesting because I think that there are a lot of other questions that could be asked with both arguments because I think what was sort of the purpose i mean it's all we can't really ask god what 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 was the purpose of this until we get to heaven but what would the purpose have been for mary to die where where did her soul go did she go to heaven and then god was like you know let's have you be assumed because that'll help believers and she's like okay I don't it it I don't know it it begs a few questions I think mm-hmm. so for me it would always it ma- it almost made sense to where at the end of her life instead of dying just being assumed similar to how almost Christ like, yeah, was ascended right, right.
1: <clears throat> so in the yeah. I believe it's in the East they they celebrate the feast of the Assumption they call it the Dormition of Mary and I think that in the East they I actually don't know if they lean one way or the other but it seems that their tradition is that Mary went into a deep sleep and then was assumed. Now, maybe that means she died and her soul briefly left her body across the board. I think most Catholics and most scholars would, would agree that it wasn't a painful, horrible death, Mm, but whether she actually died or whether she was above that, to me, it seems like Mary's the exception to the rule and she, there would have been no merit for her to die because with Christ, he didn't have to die because he didn't suffer from original sin, but he chose to die. That's much different than Mary dying. And and out of obedience, I think she would have done it, but I don't really understand the logic behind God requiring that. It right. seems like that would have been a gift that he would have given her. Right. Um, on the opposing side, <clears throat> there's a famous theologian, Ludwig Ott, and he says, quote, For Mary, death in consequence of her freedom from original sin and from personal sin was not a consequence of punishment of sin. However, it would seem fitting that Mary's body, which was by nature mortal, should be in conformity with that of her divine son, subject to the general law of death. Right. So he's kind of making one of those arguments that Aquinas makes where it's it's unclear. So the only thing that we can really draw from That's that is say enormous. it is fitting, it is most fitting. But I kind of disagree. I think for Mary, it would be most fitting that she wouldn't die because that would protect to me it seems like it promotes her perfection mm-hmm, and right. it shows that god
2: does make exceptions for people who are perfect right i i so, do think i so i think my understanding of the east so in in i've always kind of been uh yes <laughs> well <laughs> i've always been almost confused at what it means when somebody says Oh yeah, the East thinks this because mm. we have the Byzantine <laughs> East, Eastern Catholic, yeah. but then we also have the Eastern Orthodox, and mm. all the Orthodox are really in the East. So it's like, okay, which one are you talking about? So but I disconnected, think, right? Right. But I think I think there is. I was actually talking with one of my coworkers today um, who goes to a Byzantine Rite church, um, and that he goes there regularly, um, and he's and it's been over the last like four or five years. So he's he's definitely. Um, uh he's definitely chosen to go to the Byzantine. So he's learned a lot from them and everything. And he said so the Dormition the, the I guess the kind of the story goes um in the East that they so she did so the story goes that she was with the apostles. She died. The apostles buried her and then and, and I don't know, I, I guess I'm not sure if he just said this, my Corker, if he just said this, or if this was like something, a part of the, the, the tradition. But supposedly Thomas went to the tomb and she was gone. And then it was, that, that she, and, and that's kind of where. And so, um, so I think it is much more of a, um, I think the East mostly thinks that she did die. Mm. Um, and actually, while you guys were talking, I was actually thinking, um, so I guess, my thought, I was actually, uh, I mentioned earlier that I was listening to that uh, episode by Matt Fradd. Um He was talking with a Byzantine um, priest and then also um, <clears throat> uh, a theologian who, who who goes out and kind of has just written a book on, on Mary and they were on talking about like the objections. But, um, it made me think of um i just lost my train of thought but sorry the the gist of it is i was it made me think back to adam and eve so so oh that's what i was going to say in the video they talk about mary being so the immaculate conception kind of is uh, pretty much comes from the idea that they she would have been Either at the same level as Adam and Eve before the fall, or better, like um, in the
1: state of original justice. Right.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, but I'm I don't think it's doctrine that if Adam and Eve didn't fall, that they wouldn't have died. I I, I think actually because they weren't perfect because they couldn't eat from the 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 tree of life like like uh, or the the tree of good and evil and then the um. Uh, what was the other one? There were two trees in the middle of the, the garden. It was... i uh, I'm Knowledge and... Knowledge of the good and evil. And I think it's life. I think the other one's immortal. Right? I don't know. Anyways, but so I think... I th- it's for another episode. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I... <laughs> That's the next one. Uh, no. Uh, but, um, no. So I think... I don't think it's actually... And I could be totally wrong with this. But I almost think because she would... Because we're human, I think as humans... I don't think like obviously death entered the world, and so it's like and like sin and like pain entered the world. But I I think to a certain extent, we would have passed away, in one way or another, like at the end of our lives. So I think so maybe it would have been in the way that the East thinks that Mary pa- like she died, but no pain. And then she went up body and soul. So that was just something that came sure. to my mind, but I'm not sure. if Yeah. That's I Like really- I was saying,
1: I <clears throat> maybe I didn't really read that deeply into what the East believes, but a few of the articles that I read, it seemed to imply that the Dormition of Mary focused much more on her, the end of her life being peaceful and right. being like asleep. A so right. I, I assumed that that meant they believed that she fell into a, a deep sleep and then right. was assumed but maybe they mean that right. they think that she well, died. That's what Adam was? Right. She think he that she died dies. because he exactly. Right, exactly. Right, right. Um <clears throat> but to me it still seems more fitting that Mary wouldn't have died. And I I don't think that meant she was just walking down the road one day and started floating up. Right. There I think there definitely was kind of an an, an end whatever that looked like right and i think that's why the encyclical is very specific about saying at the end of her earthly life right she was assumed into heaven it didn't say after she dropped dead or like after she was buried because i think that if mary did die now maybe she died and then the next day was assumed or maybe there was some type of symbolism right. where she was in the tomb for a few days and that was, a, you know, some kind right, of sure. old scriptural fulfillment of, of the Ark of the Covenant or, I don't know, something. Sure. It seems possible. Um, but we do know that she, if she did die, she wasn't dead for long because, you know, we don't have remains. We don't have anything like that, which backs right. up the fact that, you know, if if we if Mary did die and she wasn't assumed, her bones would absolutely be right around yeah so i know that she did assume and that we don't have her bones and i think that there are a few resting places i think there's a garden in gethsemane or there's a church near the garden of gethsemane where they have like a tomb kind of for her where mm -hmm. legends say that that's where she died or where she kind of was transformed or something like that Um, and i think nearby i think it's another town in italy where they have a piece of her veil that they only expose um, on the Feast of the Assumption, but they have it kind of back behind. But they, they pull it out. Like right. many relics, it's kind of in a tabernacle of sorts, and then they pull it out to her. Sure. People can come venerate. Um, but again, it, it does seem like... It does seem to me that it'd be more fitting that if nothing else, she would have had a painless death. Right. And even more so, I think... To me, it makes more sense that she would have Almost not died. Asleep. Yeah, the fallen. And, yeah. and maybe maybe she did die. Like, right. maybe she falls asleep and it's death. And, right. Okay, because I think that <clears throat> when we think about death, we think about death being this big, painful, long, drawn-out process. Maybe she literally just laid down to go to sleep and actually physically died. But then it seems odd because she she's one of the only people in heaven that has her body. Right. So Probably did she die exactly. and her soul was separated from her body for, like a little right, bit. I guess and then would it come to a so definition almost, of death. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it seems like if, <clears throat> if that did happen and she was dead for a while, okay. So then at some point, then her body and soul just recombine, right. which is why I think it makes but more it, sense that she fell into a sleep and that was kind of the end of her earthly life. And right. then she starts this transformed experience and she has some type of glorified body, which maybe it's very similar since it was perfect. Right. But it didn't, you know, it doesn't observe the right. laws of nature specifically. But that her body and soul, that composite, never actually broke. Right. To me, that seems right. the most fitting for the Mother of God. Yeah,
2: and and yeah. I mean, it does also. I mean, it would also. I guess getting into the nitty gritty of thinking, like, okay, was her soul apart from her body at some point and then came mm, back because right. she was assumed body and soul. Right. So like that's the doctrine of the assumption. So yeah, it does seem kind of weird.
0: It, it would seem weird. Why it does. Seem, yeah. Why would her soul be separated from her body for right. any amount of time? Right. If eventually she was just going to get assumed. Yeah. Yeah. Now, no, unless it was to teach the apostles to, to strengthen their faith, mm-hmm. which sure. sure is probably a thing, but I, I don't know. I don't it, it seems yeah. like it would just make it make the most sense right. for her at the end of her earthly life to be immediately taken up body and soul. So I, it, I,
1: it does seem that right. in church teaching across the board, theologians agree that Mary died a painless death. They don't think that she suffered the consequence of death. Even if she actually did die, she didn't suffer the pain that went with it. And, uh, St. Augustine and St. uh, John Henry Cardinal, I guess it's blessed John Henry Cardinal Newman, um, both agree that Mary um, died without bodily corruption. So she right. she passed away, but her body didn't decay. Mm, um, right. Actually, it's, it's interesting because <clears throat> I have a quote here from John Paul II, and I, it seems to indicate that he favored the position that Mary did die um, he says, quote, the fact that the church proclaims Mary free from original sin by a unique divine privilege does not lead to the conclusion that she also received physical immortality. The mother is not superior to the son who underwent death giving it a new meaning and changing it into a means of salvation. Since Christ died, it would be difficult to maintain the contrary for his mother. She was involved in Christ's redemptive work and associated in his living sacrifice. Mary was able to share in his suffering and his death for the sake of humanity's redemption. Which sounds really beautiful, but practically I don't really understand how Mary's death would change anything about the resurrection other than her just wanting to be there with her son. Right. But it seems like if that was the case, it almost seems like she
2: would have died at the same time. I think I, I do... I, I don't know... I think that goes into almost the theology that uh, of maybe it's not the theology, maybe, but um, just kind of the line that St. Paul talks about um, where he says that I make up for what's lacking in the death of Jesus mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in my suffering. So I wonder if it's not, I am, she's adding anything to the resurrection obviously, but I think it would be like, she's, because she's still like fulfilling, or just I'm not, I mean, maybe not fulfilling, but like, I mean, it probably is actually thinking about it now, um, strengthening the like the church. Because obviously, one of the things that, um, that I've learned over the years is that obviously we are a church, we are a community, so anything, so there, and, and also. With that being said, there are no private sins and there are also like, so all private or all sin has an effect on everybody else in the church, but then also people becoming virtuous has an effect on everybody else. So if that was like, so if she did experience death, however that, whatever that's like, um, maybe that was almost, I don't know, to like almost, yeah, I guess as you said, Mark, to almost strengthen the church, mm-hmm. but almost not in the way that we would think. I don't think it would be like, oh, like something they thought of, but just almost like a um like a grace, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. I, I mean it is it almost part of me is like, yeah, I think it would be would be fitting mm-hmm. that she wouldn't die. But I guess almost to me, I, I
1: think it's interesting that the church hasn't defined that. Not interesting in the sense that, like, yeah. oh, I, that I think they should. I think it's interesting that the church recognizes that it, in in some ways, doesn't matter. Mm. Right. The fact is that at the end of her early, earthly life, she was assumed. The important thing is that she's in heaven, body and soul, where she's still interceding for us as the Mother of God. That's the that's the important right. thing. But right. the thing that we can kind of disagree on, or at least see how both ways could be true, right, yeah. or even, kind of yeah, gives really you a different about. insight on Mary without corrupting right. anything about her. Right. You're not say, like no one's saying, "No, I think she died, and we ha- we have her bones." Well, that that would change a lot because then that would right. that would say that that means the assumption didn't happen, right. which is one of the strongest teachings that the
2: church has right at least that they've defined right right <clears throat> so right, right. yeah No, and it is also I mean, I'm I'm on EWTN here and supposedly I don't know if this is just a story or if this is a um, This is like for sure history But it's almost written as if it is but it says in it says at the Cat at the council of chalcedon in 451 when bishops from throughout the Mediterranean world Gathered in Constantinople, Emperor Marcion asked the Patriarch of Jerusalem to bring the relics of Mary to Constantinople to be enshrined in the mm. capital. The Patriarch explained to the emperor that there were no relics of Mary in Jerusalem. Mm. That, quote, Dang. Mary had died in the presence of the apostles, but her tomb, when opened later, was found empty. And so the, mm. And this is actually kind of funny. Um, and I'll say it in a second but uh, I'll say why in a second but it says so the apostles concluded that the body was taken up into heaven it just reminded me of uh, yesterday at mass with Father Deusterhouse at St. John's uh, one of the stories he said in his homily was he was teaching this class and they were going through the mysteries of the rosary and they got to the assumption and and it was something to the effect of like okay I'll I'll say one or he maybe he was showing them how like how he wants it but then he was asking the students to talk about whichever one and so he calls on this one student, um, and at first he's he's kind of like, "Oh, why are you calling on me?" kind of thing. But he's like, "No, I want you to I want you to answer." And his answer was, "Well, it was like, what is the assumption?" And his answer was, um, "Well, um, one morning ever, all the apostles woke up and Mary was gone, so they assumed she went to heaven." Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is just kind of funny and this this uh, it just so the apostles concluded that our body was taken out it just yeah. seems kind of funny that it, I, I mean obviously that maybe that's exactly what he said but it just seems like oh is that why they say assume no but, but right yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i don't know it just seems kind of funny um but yeah yeah i don't know
1: yeah it's interesting to think about and it's it's nice that we know there's not debate about whether she that it happened yeah okay. that whether she's in heaven or not, right? It's just a debate With about her body and soul, what right. the end also, of her earthly life like. I also like. love
0: in Catholicism how many of these like dogmas and teachings that we are like mandated to believe. They're also just like a lot of gray areas that right. don't really matter, but it's super right. fun to talk about. Right, mm-hmm. right, right, right.
2: <clears throat> no, true. Yeah, and also I guess it just uh, and we're we'll, we're probably wrapping up here, but I, it just made me think of um. So obviously Mary was human, and she was getting older. So at some point, like, would she have just—I don't—I don't, I don't know—and and would she have just kept getting older? Mm-hmm.
0: But I don't know. It, like, yeah. she probably the like, old age of Adam, and right? Yeah, so, no, right. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's I think just that's gonna, a
1: teaching of the church that part of the, you know, the re, the reunification of the body and soul is that. You'll receive a glorified body, which was right. your body in whatever state it was most perfect, right, whether that's meant- a child or whether I don't. I don't think there's a particular teaching right. on everybody. What that everybody looks
2: really like. talks about thirty three, though, because that's when Christ died, right? I think,
1: and then, I mean, then there's some debate about people who died before thirty three, sure, or like whatever. Right, but right, but right, At the end of the day, okay, everyone's in, whatever their body is, in, whatever state their body was most perfect in, and then Christ will also. You know whatever defects you had, if you had a handicap or something like that, right? You would you would you would assume that You'd, that would be fixed, or at least that wouldn't be the an lame issue. would
2: leap and the <coughs> the dumb would talk, and, right? Yeah, so yeah. It,
1: it seems it seems obvious that God in heaven, when your body and soul are reunited, would have that happen in the best way possible, right? And to me. It's it's actually interesting because when you're talking about the fittingness of Mary, okay, was it fitting that she died? Was it more fitting that she was preserved from death? It's also kind of a, it's a different way of looking at it, but I think it's still really, really engaging to think about maybe Mary wasn't going to get older, Hmm. but like she had fulfilled her purpose on earth. So it was ready for her, you know, it was time for her to go to heaven. Oh, at, like, or, whatever age that was, she, right, like, <clears throat> because she aging. was free of sin, so right. maybe in a lot of the Old Testament people, it seems that they lived to be hundreds and hundreds of years old. Right. And I don't know if they kept time the same way, so that's right, right. a bit of a gray area. But maybe because she was free from sin, she, she didn't have the consequences of death, so she would have just been perpetually young. But right. maybe she didn't have the consequences of sin, but because she still had a human body, it would still age like other human bodies would. So maybe it was actually kind of additionally fitting that at some point she would leave to protect her from ever aging. Like, okay, she's getting to the point where Hmm. as a human, she would start aging and having gray hair and like, well, yeah, that's the, that's the time that she would have like, then Christ is like, no, you're, you don't have to deal with that. Right. Like you're still in the, you're still completely youthful. Right, and now you're going to be assumed, so you never lose that. Yeah, you know? Well, I know. I,
2: yeah, no, true, and, and and but, and I guess thinking about like because the the supposed age of Mary is like fifteen or sixteen, mm-hmm. right? I think. Right. right. And so, I mean, with with that being said, she would have been only seventeen years older than so she would. I mean, sixteen, seven. If she's sixteen or seventeen, mm-hmm. that means she would have been fifty
0: yeah. when yeah. Christ died. Right.
2: Um, and then I guess yeah. It, I, uh, it is it is just interesting because we don't really as, as much as we talk about it and obviously there are things we can say like with our glorified body we'll be able to I think there are like three things but one of the things is like um, like matter won't hold you in ways that it does now so like being able to like go through walls or like, you, like just kind of like like flying I think or something I, I don't know something like that but um <clears throat> Uh, but we don't really know what like obviously Jesus was human like fully human but he was a he was I mean I guess like Mary as I said before but like at Adam and Eve whatever they were when they were alive or better Um, but we kind of almost don't know what that really looks like Um, so like I mean it would I mean with with Jesus like obviously he grew and got older. Um like he didn't just stay a child. So it is it is just interesting because it almost just shows what we don't know about the humanity and what like being like Adam would have looked like or being better than Adam as Christ is or better than Eve as Mary is. Um Yeah, I don't know. It's just it, it's just interesting. Because I mean that really isn't something we need to know, right? Um, because right. it, I mean, that's not really so many things that anything. we can look forward to. <clears throat> no, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Resurrection.
1: right. Yeah. So yeah. on a on a couple of closing notes, <clears throat> I just wanted to highlight a few things for people who are listening to this if they want to dig a little bit deeper. There's a really good homily that Father Mike Schmitz gave on the Assumption that's available on his YouTube page. That we'll put the link in the description for that. Uh, there's also a video called "Every Objection to Mary Answered." on Pines with Aquinas that, um, Let's that was go. the video I was referencing. With, I think earlier. it's with William Albrecht and someone else. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, father Cappis. Capus. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so we can put a link to that. It's a, it's a pretty long, I think it's like a three hour video, but, mm-hmm. uh, worth it. <clears throat> it really talks about a lot of really interesting things. I think I started it, but it goes through a bunch of different objections about Mary. Right. Um, then, on <clears throat> on a slightly different note, there's a book called hail, holy queen. And it's, uh, the mother of, the mother of God in the word of God, uh, by Scott Hahn, which is a really good book. There's also, um, trying to remember what it's called. It's a book about Mary, um, by Tim Staples. Oh. Um, and it's, I, hold on, I'll pull it up. Uh, it's called behold your mother, a biblical and historical defense of Marian doctrines by Tim Staples. Um, I haven't read it, but I've heard a lot of good things about it. <clears throat> um, and then something else just to get a little bit artistic on you. Um, there's a few different paintings of Mary that I would recommend uh looking up and just uh just taking a look at. Uh the first one is it's just a these are all paintings of the Assumption. <clears throat> it's a painting by Italian Renaissance artist uh Titian, I think is probably how you'd pronounce it. Uh and it looks like it was painted in fifteen between fifteen sixteen and fifteen eighteen. And it is located on the high altar in the Basilica of De Santa Maria Gloriosa de Ferrari in, F- in Venice. And it's the largest altarpiece in the city. Oh, so it's a sweet. Renaissance painting and it's the biggest piece of art in the city. Um, I don't think that we saw it when we were there, but <clears throat> it's definitely remember. worth checking out. There's another one um, called The Assumption of the Virgin, painted in 1577 by Spanish artist El Greco. And it looks like it's one of the older ones. Oh, that's cool. um, so that one <clears throat> is definitely worth looking at. Then there's actually two famous paintings of the Assumption, uh, which is kind of unlikely actually, uh, because they're they're by the same artist. There's two paintings of the Assumption uh, by Italian painter uh, Annibale Carracci. Uh, he's a Baroque artist. Uh, so this was painted in six the, in 1600. Uh, the first one it, I it doesn't say where it is, and the second one is um, the main. Altarpiece in the in the Church of uh, Santa Maria de Popolo in Rome. Mm. So <clears throat> those are a couple of different paintings of Mary you can look into. There's lots of them, but those are a few of the more significant ones. Um, <clears throat> then I'd like to close on a quote from Pope Benedict 16th who gave a homily. Um, I think it's a general audience actually on August 16th, 2006. So this is the day after the Feast of the Assumption. And he says, "By contemplating Mary in heavenly glory, we understand that the earth is not the definitive homeland for us either, and that if we live with our gaze fixed on eternal goods, we will one day share in the same glory, and the earth will become more beautiful. Consequently, we must not lose our serenity and peace even amid the thousands of daily difficulties. The luminous sign of Our Lady, taken up into heaven, shines out even more brightly when sad shadows of suffering and violence seem to loom on the seem to loom on the horizon." We may be sure of it from on high. Mary follows our footsteps with gentle concern, dispels the gloom in moments of darkness and distress, and reassures us with her motherly hand. Supported by awareness of this, let us continue confidently on our path of Christian commitment wherever providence may lead us. Let us forge ahead in our lives under Mary's guidance. And that was Pope Benedict XVI in a general audience on August 16, 2006. All right. I think that's it. Happy Feast of the Assumption, everyone. This is Doing Virtue, a Catholic podcast where virtue is what we do. Cheers to Mary.